0: Influencers, inspiration
1: and Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. This is earned by Tribe Dynamics. Here's Connor Begley. So I can't tell you how excited I am today. Um, so the reason I'm so excited um, is I've got Evelyn here who is the current CMO of Milani. Um, and actually before I get into that, I really want to thank the Ipsy team, so Doke, Elizabeth, Nick, Um, I really want to thank the team for setting us up and getting us going here. So start out with there, but back to Evelyn. So Evelyn's got an amazing background, a background that I think anybody would be jealous of. So she came out of school, went to three of the more prestigious institutions within the personal care space, uh, and then now is the CMO of Milani Cosmetics, which is growing very quickly in our rankings. Um, And she also won brand builder of the year in 2016. For her work on wet and wild i believe right is that correct that's
0: right thank you connor it's great to be here
1: of course of course so um so the way that we're gonna do it first we'll start talking through your background, then we'll talk through what some of your philosophies are from a marketing perspective, then we'll talk about Milani specifically. Okay. Feel good? Yeah, perfect. All right, so tell me about where you grew up. So you were telling me you grew up in Canada.
0: I did. I grew up in Vancouver, Okay. So I am a West Coaster, but the northern variety. Of the
1: three people we've done podcasts with, they're all L.A.-based. None of them are from L.A. One is from Montana.
0: Yeah, I think that's L.A. just attracts transplants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so grew up there. Um, my family's from Taiwan, so okay. born in Taiwan, born in Taipei, but um, lived there till I went to college in Toronto. Okay. And then finally came down here um, to go to business school at USC.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. And I, I looked up your degree at Toronto. And it was psychoanalytic thought.
0: Yes, you've done your research. I have. You have.
1: I don't know what that means. I can guess.
0: So so I actually spent, what, four years of my life studying the complete works of Sigmund Freud. So um, So you were trying to be a
1: psychologist then.
0: I'm not sure what I was trying to be, but I was very interested in just kind of, you know, that understanding, the inner workings of the mind. I had taken some psychology classes and they were kind of more, I would say, scientific and behaviorist in their approach. Okay. So just, um, you know... I, just reading through sigmund freud it was just interesting that i the idea that someone came up with the idea of the unconscious right? yeah. these yeah, ideas yeah, yeah. that we take for it's granted it's weird to think
1: that you wouldn't that right. that's not an obvious, it thing, an right? obvious at the time, thing it wasn't it an wasn't obvious thing. and yeah. all of
0: these things in terms of like how do children get to think about themselves as like a sentient human how does that develop exactly it was very interesting to me so um i did that but i actually never had the objective of becoming a psychoanalyst okay okay. it was just more interest i wanted to be a filmmaker actually so i i minored Ah, in cinema studies oh there you go yeah so that was kind of more my interest and hence the connection of going to usc because i thought maybe i wanted to do entertainment
1: okay that makes sense Mm -hmm. so we've got to get to la obviously yeah exactly were there any like movies that really kind of sparked that or, oh gosh or in that i mean at own? the
0: time i loved this hong kong's um filmmaker wong car way yeah that was my favorite at the time you know i was really into all of the indie films of mm-hmm. the moment going through the archives of film history um i think just Over the years now, I'm more like, let's go for the cheap commercial laughs. You know, my attention span for (laughs) that type of thing has waned a little bit. But I love that. I love storytelling. You know, that's kind of like what I've always thought was interesting.
1: Have you seen Parasite yet?
0: Not yet, not yet. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's kind of a total dark horse into right. the into the Oscars. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah,
1: I uh, was watching it last night. I was like, I think I need to watch this movie. I hadn't, Me too. I hadn't Me even too. really heard about it Me
0: too, it exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, That's cool. So, okay, so then you went to USC, and obviously things changed, right? Uh-huh. You kind of changed your focus. So where, where did your focus shift?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I think that business school is a time where you can explore a lot of different things. So, of course, I was like, okay, I'm here in L.A., I'm going to um get an internship in entertainment and so i got both an internship um, you know in entertainment as well as in beauty so i yeah. had one internship i think in to so get to feel both industries out and now. one yeah. at um loreal and what i found was that you know if you're in entertainment i think from a business perspective you're really not engaged in the creative part of it mm-hmm. you know that's really the people who are creating the film or um, the movie or the property that's a totally different part of it you're really engaged in you know and this is like taking us back to the time of like DVDs but you're engaged in things like wow should I create a one DVD set or a two DVD set <laughs> yeah, should the extras yeah, yeah. be in another bonus it's CD not so it's not what you were
1: thinking about when you thought it's about not, entertainment right yeah. and
0: then I um, actually also internet L'Oreal and what I realized is that in beauty you're really involved in the initial conceptualization of the product. Yep. You're really, as a marketer, um, part of every single part of the process that touches the product from yeah. beginning through end. Yeah. And so it just appealed to me a lot because I think that's just how my mind works. you know? Well, I think
1: building things building. is inherently satisfying, Absolutely. right? And, Absolutely, And And uh, yeah, I would imagine when you're on the business side of the entertainment industry, like you have no input on like the actual movie itself right, or the exa- TV show. Right, or whatever, right, the right. That's cool. So, yeah. Very cool. So L'Oreal brought you over, huh?
0: L'Oreal brought me over. There you go. Uh-huh.
1: And then after that, you did a, a sprint, right? Through them, so, J&J. Yeah,
0: so after that, you know, um, I really did work at a lot of amazing companies. First, yep. I went to, the Estee Lauder companies Yep. Yep. and I started there first actually in sales so I always okay. tell the story because I it was a piece of advice that really helped shape my career so um, you know it's this is actually someone I still work with today but um, Michelle Taylor who is the former president of Kiehl's okay. and Chanel had come to USC she's a Trojan herself yeah. talked <laughs> to those of us who were interested in beauty and one of the pieces of of advice she gave was she said you know beauty is different from other categories you really have to understand it from the ground up and if you have the appetite for it i really recommend that you start from sales and you know start and she meant from the prestige world you know like being on that beauty selling floor
1: wow so
0: when i interviewed at lauder that was one of the things that i said i i said well If there's an opportunity, I'd love to start in sales. And they're like, huh, interesting.
1: Not typical. (laughs) Right. And so they
0: actually gave me my wish, but they didn't have a formal formal sales rotation program at the time. Yep. So I was just tossed into the field. I literally was an account coordinator. Yeah, I had an Estee Lauder uniform that I wore. There you I was go. scrubbing counters. I was like climbing around the back stock rooms looking for merchandise and units. And wh- what
1: was her rationale behind starting there? What did she think? What kind of skills did you You need? know,
0: it's more like you have to, like when you create your plans Do you actually understand how it's going to be executed? Do you actually understand what's going to go on? And I think that that was so um, fundamental, you know, in terms of, as I think about marketing plans today, I mean, I work in mass now, so it's a different channel, but still, how is it going to be executed? Okay, you have all of these things you want to message, but can... What you want to say? Can you actually break that down in a way that can be executed at retail? So, yeah, never forgetting that. Well, you're going to see retail. all the
1: holes, right? Absolutely. All the potholes that people are going to miss, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's
0: kind of what I, where I really started. That I always go back to that story of that foundational year.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then I moved to New York, so they moved me to New York, which yep. and I spent over a decade in New York. Yeah. Um, worked on the Estee Lauder brands, worked at yep. Prescriptives, um, worked in both kind of, um global marketing, then went to Neutrogena. They were studying yep. at a cosmetics office at the time, working in yep. Neutrogena Cosmetics.
1: And um, you are involved in the product side there, right? Yeah,
0: so I've had the chance in my career to work in both kind of, I would say, what you call North American or go-to-market marketing, where you're executing the plan, as yeah. well as the more um, innovation side, where you're on a global marketing team and you're coming up with the... Core concepts and growing them up, so to speak, getting them yeah. ready for launch. So
1: very cool. Yeah. Okay. So then J and J, J
0: Exactly. Yep. And then L'Oreal. Yep. Yep. Um, she so came back
1: all the way yep, full circle. Came
0: back to L'Oreal, and ironically, I had interned on skincare. Yep. And I went back to L'Oreal Paris Skincare. So I went back to L'Oreal on the same um, function um, and category where I had interned. your internship. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah. So spent. Five years there, I also worked on hair color. Yep, yep. Um, And of course, you know, L'Oreal, so many resources, What like so so many things that you learn along the way. Um, So yeah, and then from there, I had spent about 10 years on the East Coast. Yep. And honestly, from a personal perspective, at the time, my husband and I, we had – Two kids, we're like, oh my gosh, we have no relatives here. Yeah, we were looking which is for so a way when you're totally, raising kids. Totally. Like
1: just having just close proximity Absolutely. makes a really big difference. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um, looking for a way to come back to the West Coast. And um, I, you know, I think all of these things are always kind of fateful in a way. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, a, a colleague of mine had actually interviewed for the position at Wet n Wild, and then she, was going to take a different position okay. so she said you know you I think you'd be a good fit for this you yeah. should you should you should pursue this, and I was like, okay, let me let me see. Didn't hear back from them, and then all of a sudden, you know how it goes. You're just like in a snowball, and yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's time so, to go. Wait, what you am got it? the job.
1: I've it's got like, my plane flight. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's like ready to go. Let's go. You're gonna, yeah. you know, run wet and wild marketing. So yeah. um,
1: as a business recruiting, that's totally the plan, right? Like, yeah. how do we get them? <laughs> just one step at a time. Yeah. And All of a sudden, they're here. They're like, what happened?
0: Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um and then you're at Wet n Wild for I was at Wet and Wild three or four for years. about
0: four years. Yeah, for yeah. about four years.
1: How was yeah. that transition? I mean, Mark Wentz is still not, you know, a small independent brand, but right. how was the transition going from I mean you spent, you know, ten years within yeah. Estee Lauder, J and J, L'Oreal, these are the biggest of the big. Absolutely. Yeah, how was that transition getting because you've kind of gotten smaller and smaller over time. Right. I am yeah.
0: going like smaller and smaller. Um yeah. and and it's deliberate actually. Yeah. So um it was probably the biggest transition that I had ever between companies in terms of going from, you know, a big publicly traded company, all of that infrastructure, Mm -hmm. um, to a smaller, not small, I mean, Mark Wins is not a small company. No, 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 it's um, definitely not But like Mm -hmm. a a family-run private company, um, really having a lot of leverage and decision-making power and responsibility, like really having you know, responsibility. It's all on you. It's There's nobody else you. to blame. Right. You can't be like, well, that's because the people in Paris forced me to launch this. It's yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. Um, you decided on the launch, and yeah. you thought this was a good idea, and now you better launch this and make this work. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So,
0: um, but you know what? I found that I really enjoyed that. Of and course. That it was a big breath of... Um, freedom and really just um this ability to shape things like you know one of the things about mark wins is that it is vertically integrated so Mm. it was like wow like i have this factory at my disposal like ideas can like go from here to here and in in record time so um it, it was definitely a transition in terms of understanding okay these things, there aren't people, there aren't just teams in place yeah. to do these things. Like I'm going to have to structure my team and myself in the way that I work in a way that covers all of these things that I might be used to. Yeah. Um, but I think also that's one of the things that I see is like people who have grown up in, I guess, smaller, more independent companies, they Mm -hmm. tend to have a broader skill set.
1: Of course, Um, yeah. Less deep, right? Right. It's more broad, less deep.
0: Right, but younger in their career. And I feel like they actually have, um, you know, as a generalization, but many people who've grown up in smaller, more independent companies have, um, I would say, greater um, ability to make decisions Mm -hmm. and move faster. And they're just used to owning more of the business versus being much more specialized in one Verticals. So yeah, yeah. I mean I
1: definitely. I mean, my my trajectory was similar, even though more aggressive and much smaller to start. Like my first internship was with a company that had like ten thousand employees. My next internship was with somebody that had three hundred employees. And when I graduated, I took a job with a company that was thirty, and right. I grew up to three hundred. Right. And after that, I went from thirty down to two. Right. right. Me and John. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and so
1: with each layer, and I think part of the reason that I did that same. Just I'm going. Like you.
0: After, I'm going to follow your path.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Um, don't tell Milani that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Milani. <I> <laughs> no, but I mean, like you, it's just really like I, the reason I did it is I wanted to develop a wider set of skills. So exactly. I wanted to get exposure to these absolutely. other areas, and it's kind of like what you were saying with the starting in sales and working your way up. Right. In that, you know, because you have that on the ground knowledge, it just makes everything else a lot easier.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And so,
1: I mean, that, what I'll say on my end that was a big learning is like, you know, I've never seen the structure and organization of a large company and so for us our growing pains were we're growing really quickly yeah but we don't know how to act like a big company right Right. so we still have like how do we like how do we run hr how do we structure this how do we structure that and you kind of learn it the hard way
0: um right you know
1: so that's that's the the other or the the good
0: way like kind of there's like a what like naivete about that that makes you structure things in a unconventional way that can break boundaries and barriers I think too. Totally. So, Yeah. yeah I
1: think the, there's like, I, I'm 100% on board with that. And I think that like, as an entrepreneur, that's like your tendency right. is to say like, okay, let's wait, I'm going to rethink this. I'm going to rethink that. Right. I'm going to rethink this. Right. And then you're like, yeah, I don't really need to rethink accounting. Accounting's pretty straightforward. Accounting's forward, okay. We'll let's leave not it be us. creative exactly. on the accounting no, side. No we need, need to that. be creative. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So there's some of that kind of stuff. Right. We didn't get. A, we did never get creative with accounting, but like you know, other areas, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to totally rethink the sales model. We're going to yeah. do this. We're going to do that. And, you know, we took elements of it, but right. uh, it's largely not that different now than most orgs. So it's uh, there's definitely you do approach it with a fresh set of eyes, yeah. which is nice. Right. Um, okay. Cool. So then, so then, from Markwins to Milani, right, which was a big transition, right? Because now both more responsibility. You know, have the CMO title. Yeah. Even smaller organization, right? Um, right. Right. You know, it's and it's a... just
0: like really one brand. Although yeah, we yeah. are part of, you know, we are owned by Griffin. an investment. Yes. Um, a private equity firm. So there are other companies, which is nice. So you still feel like you have colleagues and other brands that you can reach out to and bounce ideas off
1: like of. sister brands. yeah exactly that's cool and what yeah. so when you kind of took on that cmo title what were the additional responsibilities above and beyond what you were doing before like right what, so i change? think the
0: biggest thing is that um at wet and wild i had everything related to marketing but i didn't really yep. have any direct sales channels reporting into me mm-hmm. um, so the difference with Milani is I kind of like swapped out product development so I okay. I own the marketing innovation team that works yep. hand in hand with product development but I don't directly oversee product in the same way that I did at wet and wild okay and I took on um, added responsibilities for um, our more of our digital presence so that includes mm. our D2c channels
1: gotcha. Yes. Okay, very cool. Yeah. And how is that what have been the challenges as you've gotten into the new role? Like what what were the the big hurdles you had to overcome so far?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing with Milani is that it, it's had it, it's had such rapid growth, actually. It's yeah. been one of the fastest growing brands in the market for the past five years. Yep. And one of the things, one of the reasons for its growth is that Milani's always had very very strong product quality and a lot of credibility with multicultural consumers for having products that have great pigment that work on a lot of different skin tones and types yep
1: which Um, has been a big push across the board right as people have figured out this is a very great market that's being under addressed
0: completely and and i think that's the thing is like milani's actually you know the og brand for the brand for paving these conversations about multiculturalism and inclusivity. I mean, you know, the founders, Ralph and lori they were creating products specifically for multicultural consumers and neighborhoods long before it was trendy or a buzzword. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of like, you know, like when I just told you that, it was kind of a surprise to you. Like, how yeah, do we yeah, make yeah, yeah. sure that that message is actually message that that, is, that heritage is, is coming through right? absolutely yeah. so that was one of the big things we've been working on with milani is how do we okay it's great that people organically know this about the brand but yep. how do we now make sure that everything from the brand from the way the product packaging looks mm-hmm. the way the imaging looks the way social media looks everything that's consumer facing Commun- now communicates that in synchronicity to the consumer. Yep. So that's something we've been just like running. Really focused to on. yeah, work on, yeah. yeah. So that's been a huge part of it. Um, yeah, and just making sure, I think, um, how do you make sure the team organizationally is structured yep. in a way to support that type of growth? And of course, we're expanding rapidly internationally as well. So gotcha. how do you make sure that you have assets and a story that can be exported successfully to different parts of the world
1: for sure Mm -hmm. i think one of the things that was weird for me in learning about kind of that international like how do you market a brand internationally right is in the past you'd often have a brand that was like one brand in this country and a totally different brand in this other country right Right. like which was kind of wild to me because i've grown up in a world where like you know, you could look up a brand at any time yeah. and, like, it's going to have an image that, right. like, almost the whole global will, like, right. you know, connect with. Yeah. And so I thought that was really, like, I think Shiseido specifically was, like, in Japan, they were the, you know, Japanese, or in Japan, they were, like, the U.S. brand. And right. in the U.S., they were the Japanese brand. Like, that was how they identified. Absolutely. Which is kind of funny.
0: Well, it's actually common. Like, if, if you don't work for a large multinational company that has the resources to push out a singular global messaging at the same time. It's pretty common that if you work on a brand that's kind of grown up as an indie brand, and as you've sought distribution, maybe you've sought distribution via a distributor partner versus going direct in that market. And that distributor partner, they might be very skillful at marketing. And in most cases they are, but they might have a totally different image. Totally
1: different positioning for the brand. Right, of what you
0: think of the brand versus of what they think the brand should be versus what you think the brand should be yeah um so that's definitely part of the process of cleaning up and and gaining brand consistency yeah yeah, yeah
1: yeah no, that's uh, – I mean, it's a problem. We, we, we're still early in our international development. We're about 25% international at this point. Yeah. But it's – you know, it's like we've done really well in the UK. And I think in other markets that yeah. are a little bit more insular in nature, we've had a harder time. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting for us as as we grow there to see what what, what goes down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a little bit about the kind of product responsibilities yeah. being shifted out. Um, So I know that when we were talking with ColourPop, one of their superpowers, I think, is this integrated manufacturing Mm -hmm. and the ability to have a really tight feedback loop between social, digital, and product. So, you know, you release something in the market, you get immediate feedback on it through reviews and through tutorials and whatever, and then they would kind of take that and run with it, whether it's creating a new product or adjusting that product. For sure. I think Huda has done a really good job of that as well. Um, How do you guys think about that? Like, how do you think about connecting product and marketing in a way that's really synergistic? Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. I think that is the superpower of how brands are succeeding today is, you know, if you can loop together product
1: um,
0: and content and also all of the, you know, feedback that you're getting in real time from your consumers, you have something very powerful. So. With Milani, we don't own our own manufacturing, but we're yep. still engaging in the same process. And um, something that I really believe is that the marketing starts with the product, right? Like the totally. product.
1: Absolutely. right?
0: It, it has to have embedded storytelling. So yep. the product from the way it's named, from the way it looks um, visually, that that's probably like so important. Yep. And that's something that my, my team spends a lot of time on is like yep. visually, how does this product read? How is what going story to read is it telling when somebody looks at absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah. like even without a word, even yeah. without a word, does it tell a story? And can you tell the positioning? Yeah. So absolutely, that's something that we're doing from the beginning, from how we design the product. Yep. And then when we launch a product onto social, I mean, the entire team is reading every single comment, yeah. you know. Just <laughs> like, probably, out of right, it? part of why Milani's engagement is so high is yeah. that the entire Milani team's like on our social, you know, replying to all the comments. I don't see how you
1: couldn't be, right? If right. you're really invested in the company, like, you just get to see live reactions right. from hundreds or thousands of people, which right. is like, so unique, that's absolutely. not something you ever had access to before. Yeah,
0: so absolutely, and we're reading these comments where, you know, you know, if someone's like, oh, let's this of course never happens but let's say a product was hard to dispense or something we're immediately like okay how can we update usage directions or how can we um, provide more education like we kind of see what the comments are and we're immediately adjusting content for sure as soon as possible to address consumer feedback and then we get a lot of future ideas and we actually deliberately use our social media as a form of crowdsourcing for new product mm, ideas.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Um, you know, we'll just, I mean, a simple question. We'll, we'll ask on IG stories, on Twitter, you know, what do you want to see us launch? You know, what, what else is missing? And we also use other, um, we also have started using other types of crowdsourcing whether Mm. it's like formally through you know formal crowdsourcing agencies um, and platforms to ask questions because we want to deliver product that has built in consumer demand so that's really a huge part of our model
1: yeah no it makes a lot of sense i think we we saw that really kind of directly with, we did a survey with about 300 influencers. Yep. This a couple of years ago and asked them an open-ended question of like, hey, what would you like to see on the market? Um, and the things that they filled in were number one was a wider set of shade range mm-hmm. foundations mm-hmm. Um, and number two was clean products. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about it being, it didn't have to be natural, it didn't have to be from a tree root, but it had to be something that was like, you know, that was clean. It's yeah. not going to do me any harm. Yeah. And I think over the last couple of years, like you've seen those two categories just explode. For sure, for sure. Um, and I think, in addition to that, like, when you think about somebody who's creating content all day, every day, right. like, they're so in tune with the industry. They know what they like. They know what they right. don't like. They know what's missing. Right. And so it's it's a great area to get Yeah, there's a from. lot
0: of built-in intelligence just from touching it and being the- – The kind of like obsession slash passion, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely.
1: Totally. Okay, so let's switch over to marketing philosophies. So do you have any kind of central marketing philosophies that you subscribe to? Any quotes that you're really connected to? Like when you think about marketing in general, is there any, like, how do you approach that as like a problem? Well,
0: for sure, I mean, I think that beauty marketing is kind of its own beast. Interesting, I've heard that before. Yeah, but even then it always starts with the consumer. Always starts with the consumer. What does she want? I think that um, no matter how much data we have, no matter what we're slicing, um, the most important thing from the beginning is a compelling story. Okay. So I think storytelling. I I go back to that. You know, as a marketer, you're a storyteller. Yeah. What story are you telling? Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of times the product, and I've I've said this before, a lot of times the product um, itself isn't necessarily right. Like. That different, I yeah, mean, totally. You know, you have, it's a
1: slight change, slight difference, right. slightly Different approach. So yep. it's
0: it's storytelling, and I always also say this is another thing I say is that we're actually selling details. What you're actually selling is details. I've
1: never heard that one before. Okay, because
0: you know a blush is a blush is a blush. Yep. Except for a Milani blush, of course, which is superior.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but
0: uh, but you know what is it about this one blush that it may have come out of the same factory, honestly, as this yeah. other blush. So what is it that separates that? Yeah. And it's really the details and the story that you've wrapped around it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I would say that, you know, to me, obviously you have to be strategic. You have to kind of know where you're going, like have a path for that. But then mm-hmm. you've got to be able to zoom back and actually, yes, the Pantone color is Going to be a strategic conversation because we're in the business of details
1: totally so i like that yeah. i like that i've the one i've connected with is the you know um christian on our team was talking about it the other day but there's a book called start with why which i haven't read but i was describing a concept he's like that's what this book is about right which was you know like why did you create this? Like what was the purpose behind this? Not just like what are the details of the product, not in that sense, but like, not just like, oh, it costs this much, it's this color, it's this, that, and the other thing. It's like, why was this created? What was the purpose behind it? What was the motivation from a consumer perspective? And then, you know, if you're telling that story, then the product kind of sells itself. Right, right? I mean, it
0: absolutely starts there. It starts with the big why, but then once you've nailed that, you know, then that's when the details become important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't have one without the other, but I've also seen people nail the big why, yeah, and then fail on the details.
1: Interesting, you know. And okay. then in
0: beauty, that you can't, in my opinion, this is my, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You well, can't I mean, you've
0: do that, right? Done pretty well so far. So. You can't do that because that's <laughs> yeah. what she sees at the end of the day. Like, okay, you had this great strategy. You understood the white space. You calculated how much incremental profit. Da 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 da. But yeah. then she doesn't see that, or like the shopper doesn't see that. They see at the end of the day. What's this product that you're delivering? And it it ladders up to all of that stuff. And ultimately to have a successful business, you have to have, you know, I would say a very clear direction of the why. Yeah but if you don't have the details, it's not gonna work.
1: Totally, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are there any other brands, when you think about brands that you yeah. really admire, so yeah. brands that you kind of uh, learn lessons from or maybe right. pay attention to, what are some of the other brands that you look at? Yeah. Could be beauty, could be non-beauty. Sure. Um, yeah, would love to hear about that.
0: I mean, I think brands that are super interesting are brands that are disrupting really established categories with new stories that you know no one else has told. So. I thank my son for this. He's a little baby, like, YouTube-obsessed guy, and he's always showing me big part of different audience. things. But he brought my attention to this brand, Purple Mattress. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. and it's like a
1: competitor to Casper. Yeah. It's doing and it, much better and than Casper.
0: Right, but you think about the mattress category and, like, you know, when's the last time you felt emotional attachment or interest or excitement about that category? And then you think about, like, how... You know, the conventional wisdom is like, you've got to go into a mattress store and lie down and feel your firmness and all yep. of this stuff. And then here comes this brand that's like, no, we're going to sell mattresses online, B2C. Yep. Yep. You're going to feel the mattress when it gets shipped to your house and you unfurl <laughs> it. Like, that is that's such a barrier. And yeah. yet they're able to get people to do it. Yeah. So that's super interesting. it's and like I,
1: Airbnb, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to put a mattress on the floor. You're gonna pay me a hundred bucks to sleep there. It's like what? It's actually
0: so crazy, and and it requires a huge shift in overcoming an established consumer behavior.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, and which is kind of a fun
1: problem as a marketer, right? Yes, and
0: also really ignoring a lot of conventional wisdom, right? A lot of conventional wisdom, like if you were, you know, starting a business and you went around to people and said, "Oh yeah, I have this great idea. I'm gonna." Make mattresses, but no, you don't get to try them out first. I'm just going to ship them to your house, and that's what it's going to be. <laughs> like, hopefully,
1: you like them, and if you don't, you're if ship you don't them like back. it,
0: yeah, exactly. Like that—that's such a crazy idea, you know. yeah,
1: yeah. yeah but yeah. yet
0: they were able to make it work by kind of just like reimagining. Okay, well, how would I tell this story mm-hmm. of like why this mattress is so amazing? Oh, I'm going to do this like crazy thing and have like eggs smushed into the mattress and all of this stuff, like. I find that really interesting and inspiring to think about, like, how... How would
1: you solve that problem? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, especially because I feel like your marketing has always been in, like, fairly established categories. Right. It's, like, a kind of an existing thing. Right. a totally different approach.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's
1: fun. I yeah. think there's. it's interesting to see both those that have been successful and then also, I mean, Casper's catching a lot yes. of flack right now. Because I think they, you know, they approach the same problem, but... Took a little bit too much cash. We're not super smart with the way that they built the business. It's doing fine, but not not as well as Purple is, which is you know, but Casper's the one that gets all the attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, cool. So, what are when you're trying to keep up to date on the industry? So, if people wanted to, you know, I want to have the same mind as Evelyn. What would they do? Like, what are they? What are they reading every day?
0: I mean, I you know, I'm pretty social media obsessed as well. I'm always just looking at people's social. I'm looking at. I'm looking at a lot of competitive launches, but I think I'm just, honestly, I'm just a naturally curious person. Totally. So I go down a lot of, you know,
1: rabbit holes.
0: holes. And um, I think that, you know, part of marketing today is being plugged into what's happening. So in terms of like culturally relevant moments, I think those are a lot of things that kind of inspire me. They don't necessarily yeah. have to be directly in beauty.
1: Yep, yep. Um
0: yep. maybe something happening in music, etc. Mm-hmm. like that type of thing I think is important. I mean, of course there's the conventional things you can like go shopping, go to Sephora, yeah. go to Ulta.
1: Well, I don't think that's like com- conventional. Is there's a lot not? of people that don't get out of the house and like experience it in yeah. store. Like let's walk through the store and see yeah. what are people doing when they're interacting with this brand or that brand or the other brand. I don't actually think that's as conventional. Maybe that's kind of more has more historically been traditional or okay. has been conventional. But now you have brands that are like, I don't even need to go in store. I'll just see what people are saying online. And I think that's you true. miss a lot by not doing that. I think you do that. miss like, a lot. I think yeah. it is
0: important to go to retail for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, I think it's kind of um, 50-50. I mean, I think you also have to actually spend a lot of time by yourself thinking about things. Yeah. And so I think that's, you know, it's both. I like the the um, inspiration kind of feedback I get from like going into store talking to people but I also spend a lot of time thinking about it in my mind.
1: Yeah no that makes a lot of sense. So obviously we're in the kind of influencer marketing industry. Um, How do you think like how do you approach that? Like how do you think about that space? How do you feel like it's changed over time? Would love to hear, hear your thoughts there. Yeah
0: well you know to me I feel like influencer marketing is I mean I think it's like the oldest thing in the book really right yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that all marketing has actually always been influencer marketing it's just that we never necessarily had this label
1: I think of, The label is actually almost harmful in some ways yeah. because it makes it this like mystical thing and it's right. like no like these are publishers they've got big audiences right. you build a relationship right. with them and Absolutely like yeah. isn't that
0: what marketing always has been so it's kind of like you know I don't want to say back in the day, but back in the day, you know, when you had like a media plan, maybe you were had a more um, conventional um, approach to, you know, what print books you were going to buy, what TV shows you're going to be on. And it's the same thing. You're looking at like, what's the reach? What's the audience? What's Mm -hmm. the demo? Um, How many eyeballs am I going to get from this? I mean, I think it's really the same thing with influencer marketing. You have different influencers and you really have to think of them as content creators right yep. who have their own channels and their channels reach different people they have yep. different audiences you're going to have different different influencers speak to different parts of who you're trying to reach Yep. so to me that's kind of like i guess when you take it all back down to the brass tacks that's kind of how i think about it but i think the difference is um it's a lot more man I think the best influencer marketing is mm-hmm. manual, you know, yeah. I think that your team yourself, you have to have the relationship with the influencer Yep. um I think that it's um having that you you want to keep the relationship on the brand, you know totally yeah and, yeah, yeah and I think, which is what
1: we see really consistently right like the brands that are really good at this have direct relationships one to one with the influencer absolutely because it's just you know, you have to put yourself in their shoes yeah i'd much rather converse directly with milani right. than have to work through an agency right. or through some app right. that i message you on right whatever. like when yeah. i
0: read about you know oh brands are experiencing influencer fraud or you know these types of issues where they are dealing with um that basically things that happen when you don't have a authentic connection to the influencer yep i mean i think a lot of the issues are that we see they are based on perhaps like having a less grassroots relationship mm-hmm. to the influencers you work with.
1: Yeah, totally. And
0: that's not to Cause say that- Because you're
1: choosing them based on a spreadsheet right, or based on- Right, right. And so you don't have any real personal connection with them. Right, And, and they right. don't have a personal connection to you either, right? Absolutely. Like they're not trying to, this is just transactional. Industry. Yeah. So yeah. for
0: Milani, and I think in general always is that we are always looking to work with people both from, you know, whether it's organic or paid, we're still looking to see like, is this someone who's a fan of Milani? Have they ever posted about Should Milani be before? Should the number
1: one criteria right. choosing Right, or is someone? this like yeah.
0: completely out of the blue, you know? Yep. So they have to be first be a genuine fan of Milani because people are online all the time. They know when something is false. They know when yep. it doesn't feel organic or authentic. So that's yep. the number one thing. Yep. Um and then it goes from there, you know. So I think that it, – and it doesn't mean that we know every influencer in the world. There, there are far too many. Yep. But where, you know, my team is, like, literally following them. They're literally reading their previous posts. It's a lot of manual labor. Yeah. And I don't think – I mean, yes, there are great tools out there, but I don't think any tool can replace that one-to-one knowledge. And I totally think that's not. how you do it well. So it's a combination of really, you know, just – thinking about influencers in a way that you're um, reaching people that, again, align with your brand, align with what you're trying to message. So again, I think it it's really not far from what marketing has always been about.
1: Yeah, totally. I think yeah. it's funny because early on when we first got started, I think that people saw us as like, oh, we just hire you guys, and then we're good at influencers. Right, and I'm like, right. no, 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 right, no. Right. That's like hiring Salesforce and thinking yeah. that you're gonna be good at sales because you have right. Salesforce. It's like, you gotta have a team, have like a plan you have to approach it like we'll make you more efficient right we'll make you better at your jobs right but ultimately this is like on you absolutely boots on the ground day-to-day like i think that
0: you know i think that's kind of where people get in trouble is when they think they can just like hire an agency yep totally and then they'll be an influencer marketing yeah it's not to say they aren't Great agencies out there that do different things, whether it's like measurement or you know help you with the partnerships, etc. Yep. But you still have to invest in that team that's going to have that connection to the influencers.
1: Totally. Do so. you? So do you feel like being based in LA has been helpful in that? For process? sure. Yeah, it's a yeah, big part of sure. it. Sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I
0: think so. I I would actually love to continue to grow um, more influencers that we work with outside of the LA area, but yep. for sure, LA is you know well it's so concentrated where it here it, right it's yeah where it is i mean the thing i
1: think a lot about is like if you know if i'm in the middle of kansas and i don't know anybody else that has a big audience it's hard for me to grow yeah right? but if i'm next to somebody else who's got half a million fans and right if we take a photo together right you know I'm, it's a jump start right? yeah this is a huge advantage yeah um and then in terms of the you know how you structure your kind of marketing team mm-hmm. and how you think about spend like how do you what are the big buckets that you think about what are th- some things that you've found to be really effective or other areas you're like everybody tells me this works but I, it's like display advertising this is a total waste of time like, yeah how, how does how does that work for you
0: um so my team is structured in terms of obviously i have people who working on innovation so they're yep, working yep. on you know product pipeline strategy all of that stuff um then i have a team that's really working on um activating the brand at retail
1: okay Yep. Yeah, um
0: because you know we we are a mass brand we have really yeah. big um retail partners so yep. that is really important and a big part of the team yep. um, i have a team that's separate for creative and then integrated communications which is pr mm-hmm. influencers social and content all in one yep um and i I think that's working. So I think that I hope it's working. I, I think Well it's, the numbers
1: on our end like it. Yeah. So, yeah something's going on. So well. it's working. So it's
0: working. Yeah. So um, I the integrated marketing team, communications team actually is, is almost a little mini unit in itself. And I yep. think it's to what you said, Connor, before about having that feedback loop between, mm. you know, social content, product, et cetera, so that yep. they're really reacting a lot. In real time,
1: yeah, that's um, well, a big advantage. Being kind of a more independent brand is you can move a lot quicker, absolutely. Right? Yeah, so it's a it's a big advantage. Yeah, and yeah.
0: and you know we have our own um, small little studio set up, and nice. so that we're creating content. I think that's really um, the biggest thing, right? Like if you can't produce content quickly, efficiently, um, to tell different stories all the time and to feed your channels, then you can't really do social media marketing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thanks again to Ipsy. Yes, thank you. And their fantastic studios, uh, free ads. So, (laughs) um, all right, so let's go into kind of Milani really quickly, and then we'll go into some rapid fire questions. Okay, so you have, over your career, you've spanned you know, hair, skin, makeup, mm-hmm. mass, prestige. Mm-hmm. How do you think about Like, we've talked a little bit about kind of your, you know, focused on mass right now. What are the big differences between mass marketing and prestige marketing? And maybe even amongst the categories too, if that, if that. Sure. It I down.
0: mean, gosh. Um, so I maybe think start there mass prestige. Comp- mass first. prestige. Yeah, yeah. Even that's like a beast. Yep. Um, well, I think the first thing is when you're, in prestige, yep. and I'm going back in my memories. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 You know, you. Um, this is different from specialty. So we're not talking about necessarily a Sephora or Alta exactly. Mm-hmm. But when you're in prestige and you have counters, yeah, you co-own those counters. Yeah, yep. Right. So there's there's a difference in that you can be much more controlled about things mm-hmm. like launch dates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you control, and also you have beauty advisors. You have yeah. people that you co-own, yep. that are talking about your brand, that can are really on your train payroll.
1: And yeah, exactly. Right,
0: so that's a totally different, um, you have a lot more ownership over your final point of sale. Yeah, And it just affects everything. It affects mm-hmm. um, how much you can message on your products, yeah. how complicated your products can be, mm-hmm. um, it affects, When you can launch as well, because Mm. in prestige, you know, the launch periods are more frequent. Yeah. So that's a huge thing. Interesting. It's huge.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't Um, think about that.
0: In mass, so in mass, especially in, we'll talk about color cosmetics, you Mm -hmm. know, um, you have, I mean, if you're lucky and grateful to have it, you have multiple partners, multiple retail partners that you're working with, right? Yeah. And um, you're not going to be able to control Exactly when your launch date is. Yeah. Because each of them has their own reset timing. Mm-hmm. Each of them has their own calendar for when they're putting displays out on counter. So it's it's just very different. And yes, there definitely are you know certain retailers who have beauty advisors. Yep. But the ability to control that messaging really
1: direct different, different right. Makes so you've got to make
0: sure you have um, a very um self-service oriented mm-hmm. point of sale that all of your collateral is like really easy, like well, a,
1: especially from you know, from a product packaging perspective absolutely. And everything, like there's a lot more storytelling that has to happen right, a very small and it has to happen space. in
0: three to five seconds right <laughs> that that was literally the research yeah. that we used to see is that consumers will give you maybe like five seconds of their attention at most if they're super interested yeah. in you boom
1: boom, boom what right. to headlines? read that
0: first kind of uh, front panel
1: yeah. and if you've
0: got them then maybe they'll give you a little bit of attention to read the back panel. Yeah. So all of that is so important you know you've got to sell on your front panel whereas in Prestige you launch a product you don't necessarily have to have a lot of stuff on that front panel right yeah. because yeah. you've got someone to explain it you can give out a brochure that's got like all this different information in it you you yep. really can't do that in mass so yeah
1: yeah 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 it totally makes sense and the
0: other huge huge thing is the timing okay. so in mass if you miss your launch window you know sorry that's you you've kind of that's it like you've got <laughs> you have a first half and second half launch right oh wow i and didn't realize it was it. that
1: limited right so okay. you've got
0: first half which is like kind of you know january february yeah second half is kind of let's say um, June through July, mm-hmm. and that's when all of your walls are being reset.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you've
0: got to make you can't be like, okay, we're gonna. You've just you've just yeah. got to do it. You've, yeah, you've yeah. got to get all your hundred skus or whatever it is. They've all got to go right then, and it just makes. I'm sure it, it's not
1: very busy at that time.
0: No, right? it's not. It's <laughs> like totally relaxing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you've just got to do it, and then that does create more challenges in terms of how do you paste out the storytelling yeah. on social? Because social, of course, thrives on newness, right? Yeah. And, but all of your newness is happening at the same time. Weird. So instead, you can't, you've got to talk about it when it launches because it's new. Yeah. But then you've got to come back and make stories to talk about throughout the year because it's still new and you're not yeah. necessarily going to have another wave of newness.
1: That's a pretty big challenge. It's a
0: huge challenge. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Interesting, or a big advantage for brands that are going pure like DTC.
0: I mean, I think that that's one of the um, that is, I think, one of the the benefits, I guess, that brands that are on DTC have is that they can choose their launch window and they can control that much more tightly. Yeah, and then they can kind of space out their stories. Whereas in mass, we're always like looking for stories. It's A lot of stories to tell. It's a lot of stories. (laughs) Yeah, my brand, my team's just storytelling. Like we're always looking for what we. Call you know cultural moments to connect in with, yeah, and to re-message about something.
1: Totally. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get into the because I think we're coming up to the end of our time. Let's get into some fun end of co- okay. show questions. All right, let's do it. um So, what shows are you currently oh binge watching?
0: Okay. So I'm watching Picard.
1: Oh yeah yes. yeah yeah. I'm
0: watching Picard. Are you a Star Trek? Oh my gosh. I, you know, I have to say I loved The Next Generation. I watched, like, every episode. Okay, okay. I actually literally wanted to marry Picard. Uh, <laughs> and I'm actually happy that, you know, throughout our marriage, my husband is becoming more Picard-looking as he <laughs> ages. So we were actually Picard and Beverly Crusher one Halloween.
1: Oh, my God. Um,
0: but, yeah, I, lo- I actually love Picard. I'm watching that okay, right okay, now. Okay, okay, okay. Very <laughs>
1: cool. Um, if you could live one place in the world, uh, where would you live? Other um, than where you live today or have know, lived in the
0: past. I love El- – you know, I think that I'd go back to Vancouver.
1: Okay, okay. What um, about Vancouver? I've actually – I don't know if I've ever been there. Um,
0: Just like fa- my family, and it's yep. such a beautiful city. It's so green. You've got city life, but you can just get away, and it's, you know, very natural and – pristine in a way yeah no i mean yeah. I, I think it
1: won some award for like most livable city it, in the many world. times and yeah. also
0: most unaffordable city so that's oh. there you go oh there you go yeah
1: um okay so cable netflix or youtube for
0: sure netflix okay yeah, okay sure.
1: i haven't gotten to the 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 youtube generation yet yeah. that's like our, our people that are just coming that's out of like school.
0: my my son yeah, yeah. He's, oh yeah exactly my
1: um so if you this is a weird one i don't even know okay. how i would answer it but <laughs> how would you describe your personal brand three words
0: my personal brand oh gosh this is one I should have prepared for right? <laughs> um I would say um, holistic okay authentic okay and um, energetic
1: ah, I like it yeah Well, that's a good one to finish on. Okay. Um, Well, thank you so much for taking the time out. I think everybody's going to learn a lot from you coming in and talking. Um, And so number three is in the books. We're all done. Done. Um, And thanks again to the Ipsy team for getting us all set up. Thank
0: you. It was a pleasure. Of course. Thanks, Evelyn. Thanks.
1: Hit subscribe now. Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Tribe Dynamics unlocks your social media influencer community. Our platform not only tracks and measures your best influencer relationships, but discovers new influencers to grow your business through earned media. Get started with a demo today at
0: tribe dynamics.com